Welcome to Beers and Buckets, the only podcast that discusses basketball and brews at the same time. We are part of the Basketball Podcast Network, where you can find the latest on the NBA and NCAA. I'm your host, Connor Caldwell. You can find me on Twitter at Connor J. Caldwell. And as always, I'm joined by the joined by the big blue demon deacon himself, Dal Harmon. <laughs> you can find Dal on Twitter at do underscore well Harmon. And for a special appearance, first time appearance on the podcast, we have Max Thomas, uh, at one point a Mississippi State attendee. At one point, uh, this man could tear apart a football field, probably still can. And uh, yes, Max, how you doing tonight, man? Introduce yourself. Man, I'm Max Thomas. I'm doing great. Um, man, you kind of wrapped it up. You had the whole... <laughs> Shinda going down. No, I'm honored to be on this podcast. I'm excited uh, to try some, you know, drinks, review it, but also talk about, you know, some cage basketball. So, yeah. Yes, Max is a notable Miami Hurricanes fan. Uh, been that way since I've known him, which has been almost 10 years now, if not longer. So, uh, props to him. Unfortunately, he's also a Patriots fan. And <laughs> Uh, I don't know what other random teams he likes, but I like the either magic. way, let's get into it. You like the magic? That's that's fair. Uh, that's that's something we can agree upon. Also, um, very random. Into, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into it. Um, before we talk any basketball, let's get into the beer side of things. So tonight, I'm drinking a uh, Copper Tail Brewing Florida Weiss Peaches. So it has white peach, uh, yellow peach, and apricot, apricot, however you want to call it. This is a 16 ounce. Five percent, and where is it from? It's from Tampa, Florida. It's a sour. It's a fruited Berliner uh, Weiss, and three point six nine on Untapped uh, zero IBU. So let me give it a sip. Mm. Not as good as the sour ale I did last week. Still pretty good though. Um, definitely not as sour as the sour ale I had last week. Um, but the, the peaches are really nice. You know, I honestly picked it because it's a Florida beer. And, you know, we have a potential all Florida national title game this in this Final Four. So That's crazy. I went with my gut there. So My um, stepdad step was joking that they need to just have it at some random high school gym that's, like, in between <laughs> Boca and Florida or in Miami just to – Just right in the middle. It. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would be great. Or, honestly, <laughs> like, put it in – I think it's perfect actually where it's at because they're, they're 51 minutes away from each other, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I'm going to compare this to Jim Laranega because why not? Shout out to Jim Laranega. So the beer is old is what you're saying. Um, no, but I have a better joke that I'll save for later. (laughs) Okay. 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 Dal, you said you don't have a beer tonight. No, I'll, I'll do two beers next time to make up for it. Uh, Got got a little injured playing basketball yesterday. Went to just go shoot basketball. Ended up playing. Honestly, didn't stretch before it, which is a stupid thing. But it was I was just like going for a rebound and pushed off with my foot and uh, definitely messed up something in my foot. So uh, walking was a little little rough today when I was supposed to go to the store. So I didn't. Um, so I'll do I'll do two beer reviews next time to make up for two, it. Two two beers. Two beers. Okay. Max, what you drinking tonight? Man, so. Like, beer, beer's good, all right? But I got from the best gas station in the world, Speedway. No, no, not Speedway. It's Racetrack. Sorry, Racetrack. <laughs> it is a cocktail in a can called Sex on the Beach. I have not had this. It just looked good. Like, I mean, it is 10% alcohol. It says a flawless mix of orange, peach, and cranberry. Better than you know what. 
<laughs> so I haven't tried this yet. I'm excited. I'm going to put it, after I drink it, hopefully a 10 on the max scale for, you know. I like fruity stuff, guys. I'm not going to, okay, so pause. But I, I, I like, you know. <laughs> I like Elliot, so I'm gonna. Crack you like it up the again. crushable drinks in life. It's okay. Yeah. As you should. Oh, that's dangerous. Like an old white woman. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do I have to? Com- I can compare it to somebody. Yeah, we you, we typically compare it to something basketball, but compare it to whatever you want. Man, I got you. Is it the you back in the eighties? Yeah, back in the eighties. I'm telling you, they did not care. You know, just walked around and did like that. Is this is good? Hey, if you guys haven't had it, racetrack, sex on the beach. If you need something sweet and gonna have and a great time, alcohol. ten percent alcohol. <laughs> Go get that. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, so let's get into the basketball side of beers and buckets because that's why people are typically tuning in second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And again, incredible. Uh, this is shaping up to be one of the better tournaments that we've, at least I've seen in my lifetime. Um, despite the fact that there's been only one overtime game, which is crazy, zero actual buzzer beaters. We still have incredible results to show for it in this tournament. So let's talk Thursday Speaking of the one overtime game, K-State over Michigan State was the first and only overtime game of the tournament so far. Talk about it. Let me hear it. What you guys think of it? Yeah, it's kind of crazy that it's the first overtime game. Uh, well, only overtime game. It's not like Kansas State needs any overtime to, to score either. Um, I feel like if, if the Kentucky game wasn't Jalen Knowles' like breakout game kind of where he kind of – established that he was there this was definitely the game where i you can do it for one game and it's fine doing it for a second game in a row is is nuts talking about marquise noel yeah what what what, you said Jalen noel (laughs) (laughs) yeah my bad i'm taking a play out of john cal perry's book and not knowing his name and everyone's just the little guy yeah the little 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 guy no he was filthy he was filthy especially when he was walking down the court and it was sitting there Am I? Is that the game? He's walking. He said, "Watch this." He threw it to Keontae Johnson. He was like fake arguing, maybe real <laughs> arguing with Jerome Tang, and yeah. just like waving him off, and then just like just to- tossed it to Keontae Johnson. Yeah, it was that was that was something. Um, also, just it seemed like and Max. We talked about this in our group chat. It just seemed like Michigan State had like three or four good looks to yeah. shoot from three, they and did. they passed it up to try and get a better one, but there just wasn't a better look than what like. Joey Hauser, two feet behind the three-point line. That's a good look. Like yeah. I don't care if somebody's if open. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, but he, can and he had enough space to get that shot off, so I don't know why he didn't take it. Uh, but the fix is in, guys. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings running their promotion for free. Six six free boneless wings when games go into overtime, and there's only been one in this tournament. Uh, that is a fix. That is just 100% <laughs> a fix to try people to get to come to their games. They're literally, you remember the commercial showing Buffalo Wild Wings using officials to fix games? Like, yeah. way back yeah. in the yeah. early, yeah. early 2010s. Yeah. That was literally a commercial. That was it right there. Um, but yeah, so that was a fun game. Marquise Noel did an amazing job setting an NCAA tournament record for most assists in a game with 20. Um, absolutely insane. And then you had. 
a very opposite effect of the game, which is UConn just absolutely smoked some Arkansas woo pigs. Um, yeah. That was tough. The It's funny you say that, like, a bunch of these games have been great. No overtime. Well, other than that, the Michigan State game, no overtime games. But everything has been super close. And then you just – you just gotta exclude UConn from that because they just blow every, they've blown everyone out. The yeah. games aren't even like fun. Like I'm, no. I remember we uh this is jumping ahead, but like for the Gonzaga game, I tuned in like five minutes after that game started and it was already it wasn't even a game. Uh yeah. so UConn has been a wagon. Connor, you kinda poo pooed them whenever I talked about them. Uh at the, before, before, which is funny because I was so high on them before the season started. Yeah, exactly. It's just me. That's honestly when we were talking about it. It's just me hoping that they would just crap the bed because that's fair. I can't. I don't want to see another UConn title. They <laughs> it, oh, feel that they're kind of they're putting a a nail in the coffin of like the the peak too early because they were super good at the beginning of the year, kind of went through a little bit of transition and now they are back and so. Yeah, they didn't. They started off conference play with like five straight losses or yeah. something like that. Like they were, they were, they and at, through ten games of conference play, they were five hundred. That's insane. Um, that the fact that they did that. So that was a crazy game. Max, did you watch any of that game? Man, uh, the Arkansas game. I was at work, and the funny thing was, somebody in our cabanas <laughs> was watching it. And I came over. I'm like, you need any time? Oh, Arkansas's losing. What? <laughs> I was like, oh, the UConn? Because oh. I thought UConn, I'll be honest with you, I thought they were going to get to the Elite Eight, get eliminated. I did not think they were going to beat Arkansas. And I was wrong. And I'm sorry, UConn fans out there, if you're listening, <laughs> I was very wrong. Because I don't like to remember UConn was like Shabazz Napier area. Like, I watched them beat Kentucky because my mom, she's from Lexington, well, Ashland. And we were sitting all in the room watching that, and that kid was just Bucket, bucket, beat Kentucky, and I remember my all the whole family on my mom's side. Oh man, this Shabazz guy, I love this that, and I was like, yeah, I never liked UConn after that. The Huskies, disgusting, but they're they're disgusting right now. Like they're taking off, as you said, with the Gonzaga game. Yeah, I turned it off. Right, I went to the movies actually. (laughs) Oh man, Arkansas, Arkansas, a team that has a lot of ISO scores, um, but. Still, as a team that scores a bunch normally, only point nine three points per possession and only seven assists the entire game. So they made what um, twenty shots on just seven assists. Whenever you That's can do bad. that as a defense, it's completely unfair. Yeah, and and, and I on the preview episode last week talking about it, I said, if Anthony black and Nick Smith had big games and I think Arkansas takes it clearly, that's not the case. Uh, I think they let those guys do whatever they wanted to. And they shut down the real, the real problem that, that beat Kansas was Devo Davis. Um, Devo Davis had a terrible game. That yeah. That game. Three points. Oh, for seven from two point one for three from three. That's yeah. It. So um, talent, talent is huge and you want to collect the best talent, but if you can, if you could shut down a team's X factor, obviously you're going to win a lot more games than, right, and well, let the talent feast. Let, you know? Let's not, let's not act like Connecticut doesn't have multiple NBA draft picks. And oh, 100%, 100%, yeah. 100%, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that they aren't talented. I'm just saying for yeah. their game plan, there were, they said, we are going to attack a Devo Davis. We're going to make him have to beat us somehow. Let the other guys mm-hmm. feast because yep. it's proven 
I mean, he's the one that beat Kansas almost single-handedly if you yeah. watch that game. So yeah. absolutely crazy. Um, then we had not really surprise. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit, but if you've watched basketball all season, you wouldn't be surprised by this FAU team, but they beat the Volunteers. It's not a surprise to me because of how good and how balanced FAU is versus how unbalanced Tennessee is. Tennessee's defense, very good, but their offense was just so stagnant. Um, and it showed in this game, the first half of them like that, my dad was even saying, it's like, it almost felt like two fighters feeling each other out. And then the second half FAU, Dusty May just put on a coaching clinic oh, and yeah. absolutely just coached the crap out of uh, Rick Barnes in that game. So what'd you guys think of that? Shocking. Rick, Rick Barnes in March. Finds <laughs> a way to lose to a very much inferior team. Um, no, I mean, did you see them run mesh? They ran legit. Mesh concept. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, I was going to ask that. Where did that come from? That like Kansas State has done it now. Florida Atlantic did it. Like, where did where did this all like? Is this a trend? Football plays. That, football yes. plays. Yeah. You had to you had to get open, man. You know, if they come down attack, somebody's going to be above it. Running it like was, option routes. So stick. Yeah. <laughs> the, the way they lined up on the baseline, I was like, I was like, it's like no way they're in a formation trip. What? <laughs> Sorry, slack, 11 personnel Man, exactly but i mean no i think they are they're dominant i think they want to win i mean i wasn't cheering for them i was going i mean i was like fau man come on okay you beat it fdu all right i didn't like how he slammed how he dunked it at the end that was i was that was a big i was like come on <laughs> like but when they beat tennessee i was like all right man these guys want it like it was it was a battle like it was just crazy yeah, it was wild. Um, fun game. And like I said, Dusty May, we're going to talk about him a little bit in winners and losers, but he is absolutely just every win that he gets. Obviously, now at this point, he's just playing with house money because he could get, probably go anywhere that has an open position and land it and do well, it looks like. Um, and then we had Gonzaga over UCLA. Probably, I would say, is arguably better than the Kansas State-Michigan uh, State game. I don't know. What do you guys think? It just seemed to... Have, it, it just seemed more fun to me. It was. It definitely felt like a rivalry game. Like like back when it was the bubble with Jalen Suggs. Like that. Yeah, I thought I thought we we would see a repeat of that, and we end up doing almost that same thing. Exactly. Almost the same spot too. Uh, pretty close to it. Julian Strother with that shot was absolutely just like, you know, the South Park meme with the guys and the the guy in the wheelbarrow, just like the way he was walking <laughs> off the court. Uh, incredible game though. <laughs> Back and forth all over. Like, at one point, UCLA had a double-digit lead on Gonzaga. And then just, yeah, I don't know. What happened? What happened, do you think, Dal, in that game? Um, and this was definitely a tale of if, like we said, when I know you tweeted this out, we should go to 10-minute quarters. But this was a tale of the first and third quarter. So UCLA jumped out to a 29-21 lead after the first 10 minutes. But then Gonzaga pretty much made that back up and more in the first – 10 minutes of the second half kind yeah. of get back on a little bit of level footing. But yeah, the, the win expectancy chart on this, on Ken Palm's like box score thing is, is wild. Cause it swings almost down to where you're like 90% UCLA at halftime, then starts to swing back up, uh, gets back to essentially about even by the end of the, the third quarter there. And then there's a huge, a huge jump uh, towards the very end with um, what's that score there. I mean, you go from like 97, 98% Gonzaga win all the way down to 36% chance for Gonzaga to win. And then obviously you get the buzzer beater, um, well, yeah. almost buzzer beater. 
Almost buzzer beater, but... yeah. No, that Amari Bailey shot, he had a, a, ter- or a, a terrific first half. It's kind of quiet in the second half and then came out, hit that huge shot with like seven seconds left. Yeah. And just, and all, and it just seems so poetic. It's like one of those like huge first half was kind of quiet, huge shot to end the game. You're the, you're, you're it's, the champion it, there. It's but the no. Marcus Page shot from the, UNC game when the yeah. when Villanova hit the shot where oh, yeah. it was crazy, the same sequence that crazy yep. th- one and then John Jenkins goes down and yep yep same good. sequence so yeah. that that was fun so yeah let's move on to Friday then we had San Diego State over Bama and uh, this just this is just one of those uh, if you were on Twitter at all there was a lot of discussion about this game and the shot chart with this game uh, modern offense discourse is just so fun around this game uh, but really what we all love in college basketball is watching a just tough defense uh, that's why we tune into college basketball right um, and that's what happened with this game they dared Alabama to outshoot them they protected the rim had eight blocks. Um, just what, what did, what could Bama do? Javon Quinterly, I saw him go up twice and got blocked twice in a row in this game. Like there was nothing inside easy for Bama. What'd you guys think of this game? Shoot. I mean, as, as it said on the game cast, did you see where all the points were scored for San Diego in the paint? As you see, yeah. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> and Bama, when we, I was watching them for, like, I don't really watch college basketball. Like, I try to, but, like, when I was watching this, I was like, man, Bama, like, they could shoot the threes. They could hit the, you know, the seven-footers outside, you know. But they couldn't make – like, they were, as you said, defense-wise, San Diego State, like, that that team was just chemistry. They were like, yeah, we'll, we'll play big boy ball. Like, you're not going to score on us. And it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. cool to see, cool see J.D. Allen D., who has – this is his third school now. He had 12 points. Uh second leading scorer for San Diego State. But this was definitely the Darion Trammell game. I know we were talking, Connor, and this is a team that I've seen in person, that normally this team goes as Matt Bradley's able to score. But he was yeah. two for seven uh, from two, 0 for two from three, only two free throws. So was yeah. honestly, if you would have told me beforehand that uh, Alabama was going to take 27 threes and that Matt Bradley was only going to score six points. I would have thought this was going to be a blowout, but going three for 27 is a perfect way to, to lose. And like you said, they couldn't score anything at the rim either. Nathan Mensah had, I think, five blocks. Um, yeah. He was a monster. Five of their eight team total blocks. So <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, like you said, Matt Bradley, he's the guy that San Diego State's had all season. Super reliable just a bucket getter for them was just absolutely ice cold this whole game until the very end. He yeah. like, I don't think he had it like almost any points until like the last five or six minutes of the game. And then he started to score and, and turn things around there. Um, yeah, yeah. Apparently the key to this, this tournament is just be the shortest dude on the court. Cause we have <laughs> uh, Marquise Noel just going off Darian Trammell at five ten, only guy under six foot uh, on both of these teams. He was yeah. definitely the MVP of this one. So that means if Kentucky had played Xavier Wheeler, we would have won the tournament. Exactly. Right? <laughs> All right. Um, then we had Creighton over Princeton on Friday. This wasn't too surprising. I just think the clock struck midnight on the Cinderella team. But it was still a crazy run, especially the way that they dismantled some teams in this tournament. Uh, Creighton just had some ballers. And uh, it showed even in that game that on Saturday, on Sunday. Um, but 
yeah, this was this was a fun game too. I didn't watch a whole lot of it. Is there any, is there anything you guys want to add to this game? Yeah, I mean they they kept it close for the first half. Um, yeah, had two dudes score over twenty points. Just didn't get enough from kind of the supporting cast there. The rest of the team had they had seventy five and they had two guys score fifty. So you get you get that. You should be able to at least uh, do it like make a little bit more damage. But you have two of your other starters only go for four points. Um, just like you said, I, I feel like this happens a lot and it's kind of surprising because now we have a- FAU going to the, the final four. So their luck kind of hasn't run out yet, but a lot of times yeah. you see this where you get a team that upsets a couple teams. They probably shouldn't be, but then it's just so hard to string together six, six wins in a row. And yeah, um, yeah, it's like very reminiscent of uh, Florida Gulf Coast in 2013. Exactly. And the same vibes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Then we'll talk about the U, our boy Max. Miami Slade, the Houston Giant. The Houston Giant that's been number one or near in the top three all season long. Uh, and it just turns out a better offense beats a very stout and good defense. Um, so what did you guys think of this game? I loved every minute of it. <laughs> Let me <laughs> that, tell you what. Uh, this was this was my favorite matchup. This was if there was going to be one matchup in the tournament that I wanted to see, it was Marcus Sasser against Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong and Norshad Amir versus Jarris Walker. This game was so much fun to watch, man. Incredible, oh, yeah. incredible matchup. We even talked about this like super late the other night, Dal, and we're just like, you know what? I, I even said I think the winner of this game is going to be in the title, and it's. I mean, I. I still believe that, um, but it's yeah. it's just crazy. Um, so yeah, this this was a fun game for sure. Uh, and then we had Texas taking down Xavier. Rodney Rodney Terry is a class act, man. I, I I respect the heck out of this guy for what he has had to go through personally, what the team has had to go through to go in and beat uh, Sean Miller Xavier team the way they did. And that team, by the way, is also going to be returning a bunch of those guys. Uh, Xavier is so they're going to be just as good if not better next season um just one incredible game as well uh that one I watched a little bit of kind of recapped more just by watching box scores and and highlights and stuff what'd you guys think of it well I didn't watch it it was just Xavier <laughs> and the, I'll be honest I'm, I'm, like Xavier like you know I see them every year in the bracket and like they have that edge like they're gonna they're gonna win the first two and then they they play some big team like Texas. I mean, the Longhorns, Bishop. Who else was on that team? Like they they were just filthy. And I mean, Serge Barry Rice had a good game. They yeah, had, Rice they had, had a great game. Double digits from five different guys. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Carr had a solid game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's been eighteen. He he's had a, a quietly good season after last year, which was kind of a poo poo season. But uh, yeah, no, all around Texas doing a good job. But then let's move on to Saturday. Well, I was going to say the, the biggest okay. thing, and we can talk about it in the next game because it really applies more to the next game than this one. That's fine. But this is the game where Dylan Disu going out really hurt them. He only yeah, played two minutes. 100%. Um, and obviously they still were able to pull this game out, but that loomed large for for the last game. Also, definitely yeah. saw a little bit of a – and it's easy to say whenever you're up by so much, but Xavier ended up winning the final 10 minutes of this game, 28-16. So that yeah. kind of carried over into the into the next game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, we have Saturday, FAU shocked one of the hotter teams of the tournament in Kansas State. It turns out they just let Marquise Noel feast um, and locked everyone down, specifically Keontae George, and that was a good strategy. It seemed to pay off, pay off for them pretty well. Uh, did you guys watch this game at all? Yeah, my bit. boy Ish Masood, um tried to get him the ball at least to start the offense in the on that last play, and he had a horrible turnover. Um, after putting a knife through my heart uh, in the Kentucky game with his super long three, hated to see that he was kind of one of the guys to to mess up as they were trying to close out this game. Yeah, um, how many points did he have? Who, Noel? No, not Noel, the other guy. The Ishmael, oh, Masood? He only had five. Um, yeah, see. Only I been think, 14 minutes. Yeah, no, that game, I mean, as you said, Noel, he was eating. And Noel I think went for 30 that game. That's when, crazy. When, when he came down the court, I I think he should have took the last shot. I think he should have done a little double move, step back, and take it. I just – I was surprised he gave the ball up, too. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, you were cooking the whole night, like. I get it, you know, you're trying to be a team player, but there's sometimes where like Yeah, you'd yeah. like you'd like him to be six for twelve instead of five for eleven from three oh, yep. like he ended up. Yeah. You are okay with Noel taking that last shot the way he's got you to that point up you know, and he had thirty points that game. Like of course you're okay with that shot being taken. Yeah. Uh and we've seen him knock down those almost thirty foot three pointers like oh, easily. Yeah, so and then the last game of Saturday night, UConn dismantled Gonzaga. I don't personally believe this, but I want to have the conversation real quick. Is Mark Few's title window closing at Gonzaga? No. I just want to explore the possibilities of this conversation. No. Why would it be? When was yeah, the last I, time that they were they went they won? They've never won a title. Yeah. Are you kidding? Come on. Come on. You think hey, you think you, it's closed? I think it might be like closing like. Like, like who? He's on the Lakers now. What's his name? The uh... Rui Hachimuri. Yes, he was filthy Mira. at Gonzaga. He was he was filthy, and I thought they were going to go all the way and win. I mean, Jalen Suggs, right? Gonzaga thought he they were going to win that too. Personally, I think their absolute best shot was obviously the Jalen Suggs team. And funny yeah. that we talk about that. That was the only NCAA tournament where all the games were located in one region, one location, one gym. Yeah. Um, so that definitely plays a factor into it. Uh, you know, if they had a little bit, if they got to play out in the West coast, they would, you know, if they got to play in Las Vegas, they, that would have been a mostly Gonzaga crowd, you know, mm-hmm. there at those games. But unfortunately that's not how it went. Um, I don't think it's closed, but I, I look in losing when you had Drew Timmy and you had like four or five shots with Drew Timmy, uh, to win a title and, uh, you, you get that as far as you get with him. I don't know who they replaced Drew Timmy with, but he's been a staple of Gonzaga basketball for the last four years. I don't know if there's anybody else that's going to come in and take up that mantle to lead them to a title necessarily. But I mean, do they get it's not like he's? It's not like he's struggling to recruit there either, though. Yeah, that's why I don't think that they're going to have any problems. Like, you still, I mean, what you the, Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas both will be back. So you return them. Malachi Smith has another year. You lose receiver uh, Bolton and Anton Watson. Strother Drew Timmy might could come stay back. too. That's the craziest part. What? He still has his COVID. He still has his fifth COVID year. He could stay if he wanted to. How yeah. old is he? 
He's got to be, I think he's 22, maybe 23. 22, yeah, my age. Well, that's crazy. I mean, shoot. Okay, he'll do good in the NBA, I think. I think he'll be a good draft pick. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be like the man. But... He's a good enough passer where he can carve out a role for himself in the NBA. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be Nikola Jokic or anything, but he, yeah. he will be fine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like he's not going to go lottery. He's not going to go first round. He'll be a second round pick and they'll be fine. At this point, he's going to make more money off of NIL next year than he would a yeah. you know a second round contract. So oh, I sure. said, run it back, stay one more year. You keep the core of your group to get group together, recruit some. There's plenty of good options to transfer portal. We'll talk about, but I don't think that, like I said, I don't personally believe this, but I've seen some conversation about it. So I just want to ask you guys and bring it up. And I'm sure people listening are probably saying yes or no, either way, how they feel about Gonzaga. At first, last year I couldn't stand Gonzaga. This year I didn't. They were I was indifferent about them. I was definitely rooting for them over UConn in that game, and just happened to I, hit the Connor Kurtz. I think people underrate how hard it is to just like make the Elite Eight every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and just because they've done it so consistently and not gone like teams like that, especially in college basketball where there's continuity are the teams that end up breaking through. So everyone can, like, you talk about a team and you're like, oh, they can't win the big game until they do. So obviously they still have to do it, So like, which is difficult. But teams like this that have been to a certain point and gotten stopped and kind of had that ad- adversity the next year, uh, I mean, hell, look at Virginia – after they got upset by the 16 seed, came back the next yeah. year and won. Not saying that Gonzaga is going to do that this year and kind of overcome all of it in one hurdle, but it's it's teams like this. Like at a certain point, law of averages says that they're going to probably get one. Yeah, I think uh, since 2011, Gonzaga has the highest win percentage of all college basketball. So yep. it's it's and I would say I would I would like to add in that they need to add an asterisk to that or say like, I mean, it should really be against top 100 teams that they count that because then, you know, like there's some teams that Gonzaga plays, which is like, I think (laughs) to quote our friend Bradley Smith, Baja Blast Tech. uh, That was good. That was good. (laughs) Like you also, it's not like, it's not their fault that they're in that conference. No, but it's, it's, Recently, they've scheduled a really tough outer conference. So I'm not going to say recently, but you know, like 2014 Gonzaga, 2015 Gonzaga wasn't out there s- scheduling, you know, four uh, top 50 teams in their non-conference. Their non-conference schedule was weaker before they started reaching out and branching out. And that's ultimately when they got better as a program is when they started scheduling better teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like 20 again, 2014, 2015. They weren't playing those things and which is why they had the lower seeds like they did in the tournament back in those days. Yeah, I mean they, I think they get properly dinged for it. You don't need to ostracize their that's their fair. wins in my opinion. That's fair. Yeah. So all right, let's move on. We spent enough time on Gonzaga. Uh we gotta move on. Sunday uh San Diego State took on Creighton. That was a good game, a wild game, defensive just absolute juggernaut. Uh Creighton it was a very hot team going into this game. San Diego State did what they did on defense, and the call at the end was the correct call. Uh, officiating was wildly inconsistent, but you have to call a foul when you see a foul. Yeah, there's that no said, in the rule book. In the rule book, it doesn't have timestamps for what the fouls are. The fouls don't change. Correct. I can see being more lenient on 
like kind of ticky tack stuff, but on literally Pull a shot, that arm on yeah, it. yeah. Like, which an incredibly not to like harp on the kid because I'm sure that he is taking it harder and being harder on himself than he deserves to be, but like an incredibly lazy defensive effort from Nimhart yeah. on that play. Like all of the things you can do, should have just con- contested from behind and kind of like flew past him, like flew past his back rather than yeah. jumping into him. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you have to call the foul. Yeah, you have to call the foul. Uh, I think what people were frustrated about, and just like in the Super Bowl this year, it's the inconsistency in officiating when like, if you called that, then you should have called that earlier, but they but- weren't calling it earlier. Uh, this is this problem when you have human refs officiating. They're humans. They make errors. Uh, I don't think there was a fix or anything because I promise you, they're not fixing it for San Diego State. I guarantee <laughs> no. you that. You know, no. this is not this is not a game where they're trying to fix anything. If anything, the NCAA is trying to cook up something now to fix in where we get all blue bloods in the Final Four next year because the ratings are not going to be great this year. Despite me pro- personally loving the Final Four that we got this year. Um, so yeah, um, and then Miami over Texas. Miami could have folded like five times in this game, and um, that's oh, yeah, just incredible could. that they just the resiliency in that. In that, what do you guys think of this game? Man, I loved it. I you could at first I was worried. Um, I was talking to my friend AJ, and he was like called me up, and I mind you, AJ's a Florida Gator fan, and he's like, oh, I got, I got my my Texas jersey on. He's like, today is going to be the day where you guys lose. And I said, all right, just, just wait, man, just wait. And I was looking at the score, and I was like, Lord have mercy, we are down. We are down. But then I, I realized, because if you looked at the Houston game, like they played decent in the first half. But in the second half, Miami just, they took off. So I was like, okay, we're second half team. We can, and I mean, shoot, Miller, 27 points, seven for seven. And 13 for 13 from the line, too. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and mind you, which I thought was cool before we hopped on, I looked that the past two games, the whole starting five has been in double digits for points. Yeah. Like, that. that's crazy. Like, so they weren't – there was just not one guy. Everybody was cooking. Everybody yeah, I, was, yeah. I, uh, I think it was probably, like, with five minutes – five minutes into the first half – or second half, maybe. I was like, man – I just hope Miami can go on a little bit of run to make this a game. Because at that point, it was like a 15-point game, something like that. And I was like, man, I just want them to make it close. Because I just want a good game. Like, I, I was cheering for, my, for Miami because, I mean, we've been a fan of this backcourt for a while. Uh, but I was like, man, just make it a game so that we can have something interesting and in not just kind of like cruise to a blowout. And then they started that 13-2 to run that they yep. had in like the span of three minutes. And I was like... Oh, like it's a game. They, they don't, they're not just making this a game. Like they're they're here to like potentially win this, and then yeah. just from there they they took off. Uh, yeah, I was I was listening to the um, game theory podcast with Sam Vicini, and he was talking about Jordan Miller that this game that he had kind of been trending this way the entire the entire season, but Jordan Miller went from being their most important player, maybe not their best kind of early in the season. Their X where, factor, yeah. That, like, he is their best player. They have yeah. Pack and Wong that are good kind of heat check guys. But Miller is – they go as Jordan Miller goes. And it's, uh, he was like going UConn, on Sunday. 
UConn's the same way with Jordan Hawkins. Like yes. Sonogo and Newton are fantastic players. Hawkins Jordan Hawkins, the emergence of Jordan Hawkins is really taking them to the next level. Yep. Uh, 100% agree. Also, I, I just want to point out that Jim Laranega or Jim Beheim is a jerk Jim Laranega variant from the worst timeline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both are super old, but Larinaga is actually cool, and they have yeah, seen. yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's take a break, and then we'll move on to our winners and losers. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here right now. New customers can bet just five dollars in college hoops and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt-in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back up to $10. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 to get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right. Winners and losers from the second weekend. So Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. We'll start with the winners because it's more fun. And this, again, is more opinion-based and than anything. It's not legitimate winners or losers, but some of them are. Uh, Mid-majors, our first winner for the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight weekend because we got two of them in the Final Four. Um, All right. Crazy. Oh, yeah, never mind, never mind. That you, you answered my question because I was going to ask, are we considering UConn a mid-major? Because I got yelled at in the group chat for saying that a Big East team was a mid-major. And I was like, well, it's not Power 5. And they're like, it's well, it's not, not Power 6. So. They're, they're Power 6. So I'll say Power 6 with them and yeah. say, yeah. Uh, but also, not really because – San Diego State's joined the Pac-12. Uh, that's inevitable. And then, uh, then you have FAU who is joining the American. Um, mm-hmm. So, kind of crazy, right. but all around mid majors, major dub for them in this tournament. Yeah. Um, the state of Florida, specifically Southern Florida, for once, um, yeah, that's what? a winner in my book. You'll be what underwater in ten years, uh, so you might as well take advantage of it now. I'll be <laughs> underwater. Let me tell you, the but ratings Boca and Coral, uh, Coral Gables are less than an hour away from each other. Like you said, Dal, they should just if it ends up being those two in the title game, they should just meet and like they should have to drive to like Gainesville, and we'll just play the game exactly. at the like, tax center or whatever. Or just come uh, where, just come somewhere at least, because Houston, like I'm to be honest with you, well. Florida has just beat two Texas teams, so why Fair. are we gonna go? Why, why are we going to Houston? You can come back. You can move it down. Come to Orlando, actually. That's the midpoint. You can put it right in Orlando. Come to Amway. Maybe, maybe have a game in Key West. That would be pretty wild. Oh, um, say, we just need to do need to do something in Frat Lottie and just have it at some <laughs> random random place there because that's just, right in the middle. Oh, just yeah. bring your own Borg because you don't take drinks from frats in Miami at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, and then Dusty May and Rodney Terry I put these two together because they're absolutely getting a huge contract after the this tournament, and it started with this weekend. Despite Rodney Terry losing on Sunday, Dusty May has continued on. You know he has that contract lined up for when FAU, if FAU, FAU loses, like 
he's not staying there. And uh, Ronnie Terry, I think it was announced yesterday that, or maybe this morning, that he is receiving a contract from Texas. Yep. Don't know about like his win percentage when he was a head coach, not interim coach, but when he's a head coach, is still fifty like point five one three. So still not great, still around five hundred, but yeah, uh, he was. I mean, he was coaching some. Like, I don't, I don't know who's doing a lot with those UTEP teams that oh, he yeah. took over and Fresno State. I mean, he took them from being they were in. So he took over in twenty twelve at Fresno. And they were 179th in Ken Palm that year. And he was inside the top 100 in 17 and 18 before he left to go to, to UTEP. So, I mean. Also, like, he just learned. I think he just learned a lot under Chris Beard. And Chris Beard, absolute D-bag, but really good coach, <laughs> especially defensively. Yeah. Um, what I was more impressed with is how good this team was offensively, which is not a staple of Chris Beard teams. Uh, so that tells me more about the staff that Beard built and the staff that Rodney Terry maintained. And it's probably going to keep, and I mean, they're keeping Ron Holland uh, and he's, ter- he's probably from what I've heard, he's been the best player at McDonald's all American game. So if he continues the trend of recruiting and can keep those guys and get, get those guys in, he should have no problem at Texas. So I think yeah, the, the offensive side comes down more to the talent that they have accrued more than that's that's fair that's absolutely fair um i agree with that yeah all right losers uh of this weekend sec and big 12 as i think they both had three shots maybe sec had three shots big east had three shots they ended up getting one in there and the big 12 had two i think from the elite eight couldn't get them in there so Sorry, guys, you're a loser, but it's okay because SEC is still strong, but Big 12 is still strong. And like we've said on this podcast 50,000 times, the Final Four is incredibly hard to reach, and you yeah. incredibly you have to be incredibly lucky, honestly. Um, we could go back to all teams in the Final Four now and look at earlier in the tournament where FAU needed a timeout. They were down one to Memphis. They needed a timeout, mm-hmm. and they really – it should have been a jump ball if you watched that. They didn't get the timeout. It should have been a jump ball. So um, just absolutely crazy. Losers of this tournament, number two loser is Modern Offenses Conversations. And I say this because there are more than one way to win a game, more than one way to lose a game. Mm-hmm. And it you, is that. You think you're really a loser? I think it's the losers are the loser. Like the people talking about it are the losers more so than the conversation. Okay, around I was going to say. Yeah. It's I, the say people I feel like that modern offense is still like. Even. There's like modern offense, and then there's the th- only threes and layups convo. And those are like. Two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The threes and layups convo is definitely one. And it's. It's the issue with applying a theoret like threes and layups makes sense because on average points per possession are better on those two shots. Like those are the two most efficient shots. Yeah. But when you have a sample size of sixty possessions in a game, you can have a team go three for twenty seven, like Alabama did, or whatever the O for forty eight or whatever that uh, the Rockets did in their game seven whenever they lost to the Warriors. <laughs> like in small sample sizes, the math doesn't always be mathing. 
No, it my my thing is I think you should always have the plan A, plan B, plan C. If that's your if that's your niche, if that's your thing is to go with uh threes and and at the rim twos, do it. But when those fail, you don't just keep doing it. Yeah. Like Bama was 11% from 3, 11%. Yeah. They were getting their shots blocked at the rim almost every other shot it felt like and if it if they weren't getting it they were they were absolutely making it they were making it really hard to get their shot off at the rim and it was not going in. They were third under th- 32% from 2 on field goals. So if you look at the shot chart and Max alluded to it, there were shots all over the place for San Diego State. Bama had the just two spots that they get their shots off and there were a yeah. lot of misses in those. You're just like in football, you take what the defense can give you. Exactly. And, and I think in basketball, we we think that's a bad thing that the defense is giving you a, a long two shot. But shoot a a somebody had mentioned that that uh long twos, free throw like jumpers, whatever you want to call the mid range jumpers, they go in only fifty to sixty percent of the time, or they miss fifty to sixty percent of the time. Well, even if it's fifty or let's say 60. So for, so your shots would have been 40 to 50% from from the mid-range. That's better than the 11% from 3 that they were getting and the 32% from at the rim twos that they were getting. So oh, no my doubt. point is like just have a backup plan. You there, you got to have a break cla- break glass in case of emergency and I get that sometimes it got you there, but you can also just rely like don't don't eliminate part of the floor. Uh, because these stats say that it's not a good shot. Like, if yeah. you have the right person to take yeah. it, take the right shot. That, well, that's the to... issue. Because defenses also know that, that you're not going to take mid-ranges. So you can scheme up. I mean, it's just like if a team in football is only run or pass, where you don't have to respect the run at all. You can just throw nine guys. Like, we see it happen with Mississippi State a couple times every year, where teams yep. just throw good back in zone, sit in those reads, and – pick off three or four passes and make you beat, you beat them off the run. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it just makes you one dimensional. And it's, it's funny that the modern offense is supposed to make you not one dimensional because you have are playing four out, five out. You have a ton of shooting, ton of skill, but you end up like just putting yourself into another box. If you com- commit to like heavily to the bit kind of. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You gotta be, yeah. you have to be versatile. Like, it's yep. the yep. biggest thing. Like, even, like, my opinion with, like, music. Like, if you live, listen to one genre, like, I believe music can definitely, like, it connects. Now, this is, we're not in basketball. I'm not talking basketball. But music connects a lot of people. And when you have the versatility of listening to different music, you can connect with different people, which is cool. But also, Mississippi State, you saw it well. RIP Coach Leach, great guy. Um, Yeah, no. They just kept throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. And as you said, when they drop back in zone, the SEC is – you're not, you have to run, you know, I formation, you know, power football. You have to mix it up. You can't be always throwing the ball. You always have yeah. to have that balance. And yeah. Alabama balance didn't have that balance. They did not have that balance in no. that game. Balance is 100% key. And that's that's why I really say that the people who are just so four threes and at the rim twos, When that's why I say when modern offense is because a true modern offense, like you said, Dal, is a balanced offense. It's the right people taking the right shots. Um, Noah Clowney, like, like him, I don't think he's the one that you want shooting a bunch of threes, to be honest with you. But 
either here or there. Um, all right. And then this is an evergreen loser, unfortunately, but NCAA officiating just, it is a loser. Um, and, and th- you know what? They were going to be screwed oh, on that Creighton, a uh, San Diego state call, no matter what, if they didn't call it, San Diego state would have been pissed. They yep. called it Creighton's pissed. It, there was, no, it was a lose lose situation for them, but they made the right call. Yes. So, all right. I, I, also, I love when people. I love when people complain about, especially the to the consistency piece. Like, oh, you were bad at calling what you should have called earlier, so you should continue to make more bad calls. <laughs> like, what? Like, this is the like two wrongs don't make a right kind of thing. Like, you yeah. should just continue to make bad calls. Just make right calls from the beginning, and that's yeah. that's the solution. Yeah. I, I really love what. Um, Euroleague is doing. They are finding refs. They are making refs. They are suspending refs games for when they miss calls. They, it's just a way. It's just a form of accountability. Um, the issue, as always with the NCAA, is the NCAA has no power, and so like they want to go after kids for getting a little money in their pocket versus the grown adults that are just bad at their jobs that continue to dictate (laughs) the outcome the results of their of their product um just absolutely crazy all right let's move on to the final four preview here so first game on saturday we have fau taking on san diego state uh san diego state leads the series all time with it's two and oh all time so the the first two times they met 2000 2002 Max was one and three years old in those games. Um, I was. San Diego State is favored by uh, is favored by one and a half here in this game, and Ken Palm says that they're going to win sixty-seven to sixty-six. What do you guys think about this game? Man, I I think I'll tell you right now, FAU is going to shock. They're going to. I think they're going to pull out a win. I think they're on a hot streak, and it's only up from here. I really do. I mean, as much as you see San Diego State's team and they played together, they're a little older team. They know how to play. I think that FAU is not Alabama, first of all. They can go to the rim. They'll play it. They'll be like, oh, if you want to give me looks, I'm going to take the looks. They're not going to just be shooting threes, throwing it up. I think they're going to get to it, play big boy basketball, and I think they're going to come up and they're going to go to the the championship game. What do you think, My – my only thing is we just saw SDSU have a beautiful game plan for a team that super relies on threes in Alabama. And FAU is very – they just score predominantly from three. They're 20, 25th in the country in percentage of points from three and in the 300s in both two-pointers and free throws. Um, FAU doesn't really get to the line, and SSU is second in the country in three-point percentage uh, on defense. So that's the only thing that makes me nervous. FAU's defense should be able to hold up just fine in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the game plans we've seen from San Diego State to stop teams that are, are big on shooting threes – I think makes me lean a little bit towards the Aztecs, but I'm also a little biased. So <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, and that's okay. Uh, if we all, if we didn't have a bias, what fun would it be? Right. Exactly. Uh, let me throw out some stats for you here. San Diego state. Uh, they were, or they are on Ken Palm, the number 
number four team in adjusted efficiency on defense, and they are number two in three-point percentage uh, defense, right? Yep. Now, FAU has faced the number one team in adjusted efficiency and the number three team, or number one team in three-point percentage defense. Do you know what team that is? Tennessee. Correct. So I think offensively, and this is the thing, defense does travel, and we've talked about that a lot. But I think offensively, I like the matchup here. It's a strength-on-strength matchup. The difference between these two teams, and when I say these two, I'm talking actually San Diego State and Tennessee, is Tennessee actually had technically a better offense, surprisingly, according to Kim Palm and adjusted efficiency, than, uh, than uh, than San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Um, so a difference of eight points or ranking in eight eight spots there, uh, seventy five in offense for San Diego State, and then sixty seven for the difference. There is that's an offense with Zakai Ziegler on the team for the majority of the, the year. That's fair, uh, but they also I felt like looked better without Zakai Ziegler, uh, to be honest with you. But um, either way, uh, this is a I think it comes down to. San Diego State's ability to get buckets on Florida Atlantic because Florida Atlantic is a very ba- balanced team. Uh, they are 29th in defense and just efficiency, 24th in offense. So there's a lot of balance there. They're really good at their 15th in effective field goal percentage. So it, they're going to make San Diego t- State take tough shots. Um, so I, I, I like the matchup here. I think it's more of a coin flip than anything, to be honest with you. And uh, it should be a fun one. Um, I'm going to go with FAU because – uh, I'm just going to ride that uh, Cinderella bias. But also, last year, my brother did a tour of FAU and bought a hat. And so if you want your team to go to the Final Four, just schedule a tour. I'll go with you. And they will be guaranteed to make the tournament next year in the Final Four. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> do that without you will. Um, but, yeah, this this should be a fun game all around. And I think, I think obviously, like, the, at this point, there's four teams left. They're all – title contenders at this point. Uh, but both of these teams are really strong, and I, I could see them winning a title. Same with the next game, obviously, Miami versus UConn. They have faced only one other time, and that was in 2002. The final score is disgusting. It looks like a football score. Miami won 48-14. to 14. Um, yeah, I wondered if you, like, typoed that, and it was supposed to be 48-41. Nope. Uh, that was uh, – it, when I looked it up, it could be the wrong – the wrong one, but it's definitely the, they've only met one other time. So um, that you might have That's to backtrack me on that. Gross. Yeah. Disgusting. Um, but either Ooh. way, UConn is favored by five and a half. Ken Palm says UConn 80 to 73. Bring what it. are you thinking? What are you thinking? Bring it. Um, let me tell you what, that defense is going to be tough. All right. Powerhouse. When they play Gonzaga, that defense was, was good. But, Past games, man. Watching Miami, they 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 have the will to win. They have. They, I mean, Texas last week. I mean, when was it? Sunday. Sunday. I didn't think. I was really worried that we were going to lose. And then just to see them the second half climb right back in. As you said, thirteen to two run in three minutes. If Miami, if they could play how they've been playing the past two games, and just. You know, make their shots, be smart with the ball, play big boy basketball. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, that's definitely a football score. No, no, it it, it turned out to be a woman's basketball score, which that makes more sense. 
Oh, okay, yeah. Because I was gonna say yeah. I'm looking at like 2002-2003, and they're they're playing. They played Miami twice in 2003. There's according to UConnHuskies.com men's basketball. They UConn has won twice, and they've matched up two games. So, to uh, the first score, first matchup was 76-63. That was in 2008, and then the next one was 2019. It was 80 to 55. UConn won both games. Well, guess what? It's due time for a dub for the Cane. <laughs> because, sorry about the women's, you know. Cavender twins, shout out to you. Big love. Love you, sisters. You know, just <laughs> sorry you guys lost. You know, it's okay, but the men are going to bring it home. Bring it home. Bring it home. But UConn, yeah. We want all the smoke on, on Saturday. All of it. Bring it. If UConn wins this game, by the way, the UConn Blue Blood conversation is over. They are 100% of Blue Blood. No, they aren't. What? Three titles in the last 15 years with three different coaches. Yeah, and nothing before that. What? And nothing before that. No, they would have had another one in 02. We'll talk about it, but I don't want to spoil the trivia time. Um, So... That's fair. T- tell me your you thoughts you on this do, game. You can't do it only in the 21st century and be a blue blood. Yeah, uh, they're not even year. blue. They're like a navy. Yeah. That's still blue. <laughs> they, <laughs> they're not even a blue. That's a navy. They're they're in the Villanova. They can be in the Villanova like blue new blood category. Yeah, category. I, it's just absolutely insane. Well, they've also had like the craziest run. I think the 2014 tournament was the also was like the last time that the Final Four was as weak as it is in terms of seating, like average seating. Um, 2021 was that the last one that was the weakest. And then other than this year, this has been the weakest ever. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. Dal, give me your predictions on this game. So I would love to pick Miami. I'd love for you to too. And I said this before the Texas game, and they won the Texas game. So hopefully we get a repeat because I'm definitely cheering for them. But uh, wait, hold on. Am I spoiling one of your trivia questions? Um, Probably not. No, I'm not. So I think UConn is the first team or the third team in history. It was like 99 Duke and 73 UCLA. They're the third team to win their first four games in the tournament by over 15 points. Which I mean, like they're just running through teams. So, and it's not that they haven't been tested before, because that that can be sometimes be an issue of, oh, you've just completely destroyed teams and haven't had any battle tested. So when you get into a close game, you kind of freeze up a little bit. That's not the case. They've been tested throughout the year. So, I, they're just on so much of a run. Like Gonzaga was one of the hottest teams since the like end of January and they just yeah. completely shut them down from the from the jump. So it's it's hard for me to see a team being able to to kind of throw them off. But if a team's going to do it, it's Jordan Miller, Nigel Pack, and Isaiah Wong, just that onslaught of of scoring uh from those three is has a be- the best chance of any to, to to knock them off. So I hope they win, but I think I gotta go UConn here just because. Yeah. So well, I really do hope they win, and I'll be rooting for them. It. I think it's gonna take. It's gonna take a huge game from Norchad Amir because Adama Sanogo mm-hmm. is the best front court man in this game. Um, yeah. And which is crazy because like last season, 
uh, and earlier in this season, you had UConn fans like just absolutely trolling the heck out of the the UConn basketball admin, like Twitter admin, just like like why is this guy in the starting lineup? Like he's trash, blah blah blah. Like ends up being he's actually really good at basketball. Um, but it is uh, is it unfortunate? It is unfortunate, but I do think this is the end of. Miami's run here uh, just because of the juggernaut that UConn has turned into in this tournament. Like you said, uh, winning games by more than 15 points in each of their first, first four games. Um, so we'll see, but I, like it wouldn't surprise me if Miami won uh, just by the way that they've taken down some teams in this tournament. So yep. definitely could happen. Um, I think we're in for a fun hot game. Take? You want to hear a hot take? I'll yeah, let's hear it. Take. If Gonzaga, let's say an alternate universe, if they beat UConn, Miami would have smoked Gonzaga. I do believe that uh, Gonzaga's defense was sus all year. Uh, yeah. That was their weakest part of their whole of their game was their defense, and and Miami has dudes on offense. So I I do believe that, and this is just a matchup where there's a reason that UConn like just absolutely stifled U- or Gonzaga's defense um, or offense, and it's because they have a really stout defense, and Jordan Hawkins has become just a monster for them offensively. So um, yeah. All right, well, we talked about these games. Now let's get into a little trivia time, shall we, fellas? Um, oh, boy. First to answer, by all means, go for it if you have the answer. If you don't have the answer, just say, Put I don't know. Down. I'll let you know. So, do you know the lowest seed to win an NCAA title? 16. No, they've never won a title. <laughs> I would guess it's an eight seed. You think it's an eight seed? No, wait. UConn was a nine when they won, weren't they? No. Were they an eight seed? The lowest seed to win an NCAA title was 1985 Villanova over number one Georgetown. Do you know? Do you know what seed they were? Twelve. No. I'm gonna give one more. I don't know. Final guesses. Um, 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 seven. They were an eight seed. You oh, had so it. I was, right. Right. I was right the whole time. You, <laughs> you just didn't say it definitely. <laughs> well, no, because I wasn't sure. But all right, but bonus question, redemption here. Bonus question: What is the lowest seed to make the Final Four, and how many times has it happened? They are all the same seed. I'm going to give you the years: eighty six, two thousand six, two thousand eleven, two thousand Oh. The final four? Yes, the lowest seed. It's all the same number to make the final four. I say a nine seed. What do you think, Dell? Um, I think it's double digits. Um, I'm trying to think of I'm trying to remember that twenty one. It would have been in twenty one. Um Is there an it 11 is, seed? It is an 11 seed. You had an 86 was LSU, and 2006 was uh, – why am I blanking on that team? Oh, um, George Mason, coached by Jim Laranega. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2011 was UConn. Um, 2018 was Loyola Marymount – or Loyola Chicago, I mean, excuse me. And then 2021 was UCLA. Um, 11 seed was the lowest seed to make the uh, final four, and it's happened five times. So, st- uh, statistically, 11 seeds have a greater odds to make the final four than a nine seed. Uh, this is the that. first nine seed. 
to make again. This goes back to my I hate playing the one seed, which is why I didn't want to be a five seed. <laughs> five seeds worked out this this uh, season actually, but um, yeah, that the nine seed, five seed, four seed stuff. I don't know if Jim Laranego was the coach for that George Mason team though. He was, and do you know what player, famous player from that George Mason team? Um, but, can you but, name but, one guy off that team? I should be able to. Um, no googling. Which who? Which team? Uh, George Mason, two thousand six, made the final four. It was Cute Kim English. Kim oh, English was on that team, right? Who is now, and we'll talk about it in the coaching carousel. Uh, spoilers, so we'll just talk about them later. Uh, all right. Question number two, now that we've done the bonus question, number one bonus question. This is the first year ever that zero number one seeded teams have made the Elite Eight. Also the first time ever that no, none of the one, two, and three seeded teams did not make the Final Four. When was the last time all number one seeded teams made the Final Four? So the Final Four consisted of four number one seed teams. Do you know what year that was? Was it like in the 2000s era? It was in the 2000s. I want to say it was one of those Florida years. It was not one of those Florida years. Uh, 2008? It nine? was 2008. Come on! Bonus, yeah! question, though. Bonus question. Can you name the teams from 2008 Final Four? Yeah. I know two of them because I know the championship that year. Who was it? That was Kansas-Memphis year, right? It was Kansas-Memphis who else would that have been? That would have been Kansas, Memphis, Kentucky, Michigan. Not Kentucky. That was Billy Gillespie years. We were not yeah. in the final. Four well, that was that Russ. Was that Russ? Kevin Love, UCLA. It was Russ, Kevin Love, UCLA. That's the third team. Can you name the fourth team? Oh, who would this be? Who would have been in that in those drafts? Um. Could have been no. Michigan? Michigan's a no. Big white center number fifty. Oh, oh. fucking hands, bro. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was so yeah, it was Kansas, Ugh. Memphis, UNC, and UCLA. Um there. So all right. Uh FAU is the fourth team in conference history to make the final four. They are in the conference USA. Can you name other te- the other teams that from the Conference USA to make the Final Four. Keep in mind, teams change conferences, so do that with what you right, will. Right, so we just I'll give you the years. years. How about this? I'll give you the years because that's really hard to do. Okay. So the well, years I don't are. Want them before you give years. Okay. What is it? Well, because we just said it. Memphis was CUSA, right? Correct. So that's 2008. Yep. 2003 and 2005 are oh. the other two years. UAB. No. Um, FIU? Not FIU, no. Uh, Marshall? Nope. <laughs> is Cincinnati one of them? Cincinnati is not one of them. Is Charlotte? You're going to kick 49ers? yourself when you get the answer of the 2003 one. Um, Are they good in football? No. Oh, <laughs> but you definitely know the player that led this 2003 team to the Final Four. Former CSU or CUSA teams. Um, 
would Louisville have been CUSA at that point? Correct. That is, they were the 2005 team. So Rick Pitino and Louisville took them in 2005 to the Final Four. They were Conference USA at the time. Now you're down to the 2003 team from the Conference USA that took this shooting guard and the now analyst but former Georgia coach. Oh, it's, it's Marquette. I forgot <laughs> yes. they were CUSA. Marquette, that's a, that's Dwayne Wade, team. 2003 Final Four appearance. Yep. That, that is my first. Well, was Patrick Sparks Miss Michigan State? Was that before 03? That was at, that was a year after. Okay. Then then yeah. the Duke or then then the D Wade Marquette like tournament run. That is my legitimate first memory of college basketball. Of pain as college basketball fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Last question, trivia time. I already kind of spoiled it, but you have to name the other year. University of Connecticut is the only school to have their men's and women's teams win the national championship in the same year, and they've done it twice. Can you name both years that this happened? Was it 2009? Nope. 10? Nope. Give me, give me a hint. Well, I already said the first one, if you could recall it's back four, to it. But... 14, right? 14 was the one, was the other one, not the one that I said, but correct. 14, Shabazz Napier, and then I forget who was on that. Who was on that UConn women's team? They've had so many championships, it's like they were them together. Yeah, so many women. <laughs> you any any time the men's team is gonna win, the women's team's also gonna win because they essentially just won all Yeah. They're uh, all they're batting like crazy right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um the other year was Was it eleven? Final guesses, uh, 11, you say? 10. 10? It's 2002. 2002 and 2014 is the two years that they won both titles. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2002, 2014. Um, no, not 14. 2012. Excuse me. They were 10 years apart. 2002, 2012. That's what it was. So, all right. That was fun trivia time. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Now it's time for off-season discussions. And we'll get this thing wrapping up. Um, coaching carousel for the first part. We already mentioned him. Uh, he led uh, George Mason along with Jim Laranega, obviously, as his coach. Kim English is the new Providence head coach. Personally, I think he can maintain the course that Cooley did there. Could be better. Uh, he's younger. Has a has a, seems to have a like he had a, they had a decent tournament run last year or maybe two years ago, but they were all around solid. I think he's a solid coach. Has a good feel for the game. And uh, it's not like Cooley was knocking down doors as the Providence head coach there uh, with one sweet 16 appearance in the last since Rick Barnes was there. <clears throat> so do that with what you will. What do you think, Dell? Yeah, I, uh, I like the hire. Um, cool to see. Cool to see him. I mean, what he was at. Where was he before George Mason? I think he was assistant for Rick Barnes at Tennessee. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the pick. It's cool to see former professional players. Uh, he only played, looks like he only played like for a year for the Pistons. But cool to see former former players get a get a shot at coaching. Um, I like the hire. He could have done a lot worse. 
Oh yeah, definitely could have done a lot worse. I still think could t- could potentially be an upgrade for them as far as coaching goes. Um, like I said, not like this is not a Ed Cooley diss track or anything. This is just I think Kim English is a good coach, kind of yeah. underrated. Um, USF did not hire Mike Bray. I said that last week on the pod. Uh, he apparently accepted the job and then recanted that did not take the job apparently, which is good if you are a USF Bulls fan because Mike Bray, not like he was recruiting well at Notre Dame. He's definitely not going to recruit any better at Tampa. So hey, USF, pretty fine at Notre Dame, not towards the tail end. I mean, Starling was the one guy. He's garbage, trash, basura. Starling is pretty good, and also no, a, now Syracuse Orange, <laughs> Mike Bray. Uh, he's just, I, from the start. He was he was definitely coasting. He wasn't. This wasn't Mike Bray from 2015. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they had Blake Wesley. That's one of their highest ranked recruits the year before that. I feel like he was just getting like one guy a year and kind of calling yeah, it. Not, a, yeah, going all in on one guy and not really building the team around them. Um, yeah, so I I still don't think I mean he if he was getting one guy each year at Notre Dame he's not getting that one guy to come to USF. It's not happening with the facilities they have, the which is crazy because USF is almost double the population of Kentucky. Uh, obviously, a different scenario because there's prestige to Kentucky in basketball, but just absolutely crazy to think about. Um, Iona Tobin Anderson uh, from FDU took the Iona job. I, I think Iona is a better job. I don't know if it's that much better, but we'll see how how he'll do. Yeah, it is. Like how well he'll do there. I mean, it is, but it's still a smaller school. He's still going to have some of the issues, but it's not like his SID is a junior in college. So right. there's that. Um, but he seems like an awesome guy. Seems down to earth. And uh, Terry Brown from uh, you know the forget which different facility, different podcast that Terry does. We love Terry on this podcast, though. He is like friends with. Tobin Anderson's wife on Facebook, like yeah, that's pretty cool. legit. So, going to be following uh, Tobin Anderson's career pretty closely from here on out. Have you seen his handles? No. Oh yes, yes. I know he likes the fish. fish too. Yeah, he just seems like an all around cool guy, chill guy. Kind of, kind of looks like Tyrion Lannister, and this is not a knock on him. It's just has Tyrion vibes. He's, uh, he is not. Was, he's not the best looking guy in the world. Oh, he's a little man. hard to look at. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Notre Dame hired Micah Shrewsbury. This is a weird hire for me. Uh, super connected to the state of Indiana. If you look at his resume as a player, as um, just assistant coaching, he's really connected to the state of Indiana. I don't think going from Penn State to Notre Dame is that big of a change in terms of the prestige when it comes to basketball. These are both no, but if you have but if you have roots in Indiana, then I can yeah. see why. I can see why, too. I feel like he could have stayed the course at Penn State and waited for another Indiana job to open up. Maybe Matt Painter t- goes somewhere else. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's I think he'll do fine at Notre Dame. If anything, it's nice because he's getting out of the Big Ten because it, it's becoming a frog conference. Well, it's been a frog conference, but people are realizing it now. And joining uh, the ACC is better. <laughs> I mean, how many ACC teams are in the Final Four? They're, they're batting 25% there. <laughs> All right. All right. Just kidding, just kidding. At least people, but I don't know what, like, I feel like the ACC and Big Ten in terms of actual talent for the teams, they're probably pretty similar. Uh, but Big Ten continues to get the advantage when it comes to, the like, the tournament and the committee. They continue to just give them as many teams as they want, it seems like, in the tournament. And it always bites them in the butt. But 
we're not here to have that conversation. So, and then the last one we talked about Texas hiring Rodney Terry. This is the right move. I don't know if he's going to be the best coach for them, but he, he has done a phenomenal job this season and uh, deserved yeah. to have another shot as a full-time he, coach there. He more than earned, he more than earned this hire, even if it doesn't end up working out. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the it was definitely the right move. I agree. It is not one of the it is not Ed Orgeron at LSU. It is not that because Rodney Terry is a class act. Yeah. Although I do love me some Coach O. I mean, Coach O was the right hire there too. It, it he was, but due diligence background, there's a lot there that they didn't really do because he was so fun. It was a home state guy, whatever, but either way, I think this is the right hire. This is really fun. We'll see how it goes. Um, let's move into some portal talk. Biggest names to enter the portal this week. Graham Ike from Wyoming. Dow, you've watched more Cat. than your fair share of Wyoming. What can we expect from Graham Ike? Where do you think he's going? Uh, well, I didn't watch him any this year cause he didn't play, but, uh, <laughs> No, I mean he's a great rebounder, draws a ton of fouls. There's gonna he's gonna go to some actually I'll be really interested to see where he goes. I was gonna say he goes to a high major, but I could see him going a little bit like laterally and staying in like a like a big east kind of deal. I know that's better than the Mountain West that Wyoming's in, but I mean he's someone that can be literally the like the centerpiece for your offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a little flawed on defense. He's kind of small, um, not a huge rim protector at center, but he could go go and be a serious piece for a contender. Um, so I wouldn't be sh- wouldn't be shocked if he if he goes somewhere that already has a lot of talent that he could be a real kind of X factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Keyshawn Gilbert, UNLV, 6'4", 190 sophomore point guard. This guy is a long defensive guard. He can stretch the floor. I think he shot like near 40% on catch-and-shoot threes. Uh, He could put the ball on the floor pretty well. I I personally want Kentucky to reach out to him. I think he would be a nice experienced guard that next year's team needs. Um, But there's plenty of other teams that could use him. I think I'm pretty sure Arkansas is trending pretty hot for Keyshawn Gilbert as well. Yeah, but um, like Arkansas, Arkansas, trending, trending for Arkansas trending for transfers is like when Ar- Arsenal or Man United are rumored for a transfer in soccer, and it's like <laughs> they literally—it's every single every single player yes. that is available for transfer has been yeah. reached out to by Arkansas, Man United, and Arsenal. So like that's fair. They, they trend for twenty guys every year. That's fair. Uh, they are not trending for this upcoming guy, Damian Dunn from Temple, six five. Uh, 195 red shirt sophomore shooting guard. He, this is the Temple team that's the Houston killer. I mean, this is one of the guys yeah. that took down Houston. So he's got some experience there. Um, I think I've read maybe no his teammate Khalif Battle is one that is trending really hot for UCF. So I've been keeping an eye out for that. Ooh. Um, should be a should be a good pickup for the Knights there. If Damian Dunn follows, that'd be really fun as well. Do a little, uh, but I doubt that's happened. Little Philly double dip for <laughs> yeah. You see yeah. That? I mean, the kid averaged 15 points a game, so like he he can score. We've seen that uh, this season. He's he's a solid player. Um, one of the bigger names hit the portal this week was Kirk Krisha from uh, Arizona State. 
he it's looking like he's trending towards West Virginia. He said not committed, but he definitely took a visit, did the uniform picture, all that stuff. 6'2", 170 junior, combo guard, uh, almost 10 points a game. You had like 40% on catch-and-shoot threes. Like he is a solid bucket getter. Uh, I thought personally, I mean, Sean Miller recruited him to Arizona. I thought he was going to Xavier, but it doesn't seem like that's so much of a lock as people thought it was. Yeah. Um, I am curious. Do you do you remember the dude named Pedro that played for Barcelona and then went to Chelsea? No, I don't follow soccer. All right. Well, he was a Spanish player and like ran kind of like Johnny Depp yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, does exactly. as Jack Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> like he was just like chaos embodied. He never seemed to be fully under control. He was just, like running around kind of like Curbelo uh, was <laughs> yes. for, for Illinois. Like that's how I picture Kirk Chrissa. He's just like, is chaos embodied on the offensive end, but like in a very good way. A lot yes. Of yes. Um, then we have, uh, Cario Aquindo from Georgia, 6'4", 220, junior. They have him listed as small forward, guard. I, I don't think he's a guard. He averaged 12 points a game, like not even a full rebound a game, or not even full assist and two rebounds. I Kentucky fans are pissing me off with this kid because they're like, oh, we want <laughs> shooting. But then they're like, this guy shoots like less than 30% from three. Like he is not a shooter. Like stop! Like stop saying like he's a cat because he lit Kentucky up once. Like that's not this happening. Is, I don't this want is the classic. Kentucky fans don't know ball in the slightest. Yeah, they they continue to claim for oh we want modern basketball. We want Cal to be able to like play four guys that can shoot, but then they want this hyper athletic dude that all he can do is dunk. Yeah. Uh, it's super fun and would be a blast but yeah not let uh, me tell you this Cario Quindo is what Chris Livingston will be except for Chris Livingston will still have a higher ceiling and Cario Quindo is a junior like junior Chris Livingston is doing everything that Cario Quindo is doing but better and can shoot so except just like cocking back to his ankles and dunking on someone yes exactly um all right Joseph Gerard Syracuse he is a senior, 6'1", 190 point guard, senior, 16 points a game, uh, three assists a game. I think he's a solid, solid get for any program. I think he's in the top 10 of players. Like, you know, when they enter the portal, there's a valuation level. Uh, yeah. According to On3, he's in that top 10. Uh, he's the number two point guard in the portal right now. Um, so should be a solid player. I don't know where he's going to go, if he's going to stay in the ACC or get out. Uh, would be interesting to see. I feel like he has Wake vibes, though. I don't know. Wake? Yeah. No if idea. we get some loser from Syracuse, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but we talked about Notre Dame earlier. Cormac Ryan, 6'5", 175, redshirt senior shooting guard, 12 points a game. He is entering the draft, but he's also transferring if he comes back. So he's in the portal uh, this is one that if he comes back, he doesn't stay in the draft. Calipari needs to get him yesterday. Uh, this is an experienced guard that you have. You put a bunch of NBA talent around him. He's going to look really good. Um, but you can say that about any guy in the portal at this point. Lazar Stefanovic uh, from Utah, 6'7", 186-pound sophomore. He's a shooting guard, average 10 points, three re- rebounds, three assists. Uh, should, should be a solid get. I I don't know if he stays in the Pac-12. I feel like he's he has Big East written on him. Just giving Big East vibes. Um, 
Elijah Fisher from Texas Tech, 6'7", 215, freshman, small forward. Why Didn't do a whole lot dude? this year. What? Why are we talking about him? He averaged three and two. Because he was a he was a five star uh, last year, yeah. so he he didn't have he didn't have the production this year. He didn't have the menace this year, and also this year was just a train wreck for Texas Tech. Um, that was fair. Yeah, he he was a highly touted player. Uh, just expect to have some run. Didn't get it this year. Reese Dixon Waters, USC six five one ninety five sophomore shooting guard, almost ten points a game. USC was a was a tough team this year. I thought they could have used him more. What do you guys think of this of this kid? Hold on. Yeah. Nine points a game? That's not bad. <laughs> More than I could do, man. It's crazy. I don't I don't know who this guy is, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, cool. There's a, There's a reason a lot of these players in the portal. Uh these are names that you might not know as well this year, but you'll know very well next year. Oh yeah, year. no, no. There, there's one uh, person I know on that on I I had to get up to plug my phone in. Uh, Reese and Waters would actually be a really good, really good uh, pickup. He's got size. I'm team fully. Don't recruit anyone in under like, six four. Experience under six four six five. Uh, so yeah. he fits that bill. So I would actually I like his game a lot. That U- yeah. USC team was just fun too to watch. Yeah, they were. Uh, Xavier Wheeler from Kentucky, five nine, one hundred and eighty uh, pounds, senior point guard. Had a down year this year. Spent a lot of it injured. Seven point seven year uh, points, two point three rebounds, five point six assists. There was a lot of controversy around this transfer, uh, but all in all, I, I like Xavier. I think he's going to be great at the next yeah. wherever he goes. Uh, this is a grad transfer, so he will get that that waiver, uh, so to say, and yep. it should be fine. Excited for him. Excited for yeah. the opportunity he gets. Definitely. Uh, DJ Horn, Arizona State. 6'1", 175, junior point guard, uh, 12 points a game, three rebounds a game, three assists a game. So solid player. I watched a little bit of Arizona State this year. I don't totally blame him um, because it's just a crazy program and crazy team, and you don't know what team you're getting, what offense so you're getting. So strange. Yeah. Um, I, think he'll, I think he's going to probably – transfer if i had to guess i feel like i think i saw like you said arkansas is on every list uh he's on one of them but i i think i saw texas tech on that which is crazy because they don't even have a coach right now mm. uh, but <laughs> we shall see oh also i'm looking on 24 7 and Kirk chris has 100 percent crystal ball to xavier so so on three bit. has it west virginia two four 24 well, 7 has it annoying. xavier so I, it's weird uh but I, I still think xavier is the safer bet there if you, you had to put money on it yeah um Ware, oregon seven foot 210 freshman center slash power forward stats weren't amazing uh but you're getting Ware for potential you're getting him also for his rim protection it's just absolutely insane yeah um, I was talking to one of my buddies that is a big Oregon fan, and he and uh, Dana Altman just did not see eye to eye on essentially anything. I think yeah. Dana Altman's one of those guys that doesn't really love to play freshman, yeah. uh, and you probably should have played Clawware because he's good. Yeah. Um, so he can be a cat for sure, especially if Hugo is going to leave. Yeah. Um, also noted Arkansas, a lot of Arkansas fans are like, oh yeah, he's going to be a hog. That's not true. Um, apparently after his recruitment, he had texted, this is like, I don't have it. I don't know the full source of this, but this is a 
a lot of a lot of leg to this rumor is that uh he had texted Muss was like I don't want to live in Arkansas. I don't want to go back to Arkansas. That's his home state. Um so Who would? Yeah. Uh he doesn't want anything to do with Arkansas and that apparently is like someone really plugged in said that if Musk were to call, they wouldn't even pick up the phone for him. So Wow. Um, so he is not going to be a hog. And if he is, you didn't hear it from me. Um, so. <laughs> uh, TJ Bamba, Washington State, 6'5", 215-pound junior guard, 15 points or 16 points, three rebounds, and uh, two assists there. He's entering the draft, but he's also entering the transfer portal. So probably going to stay in the draft, but if he doesn't, it's okay. He's got the portal option. Yeah, I thought um, I heard his name mentioned on some like kind of sleeper draft. Yeah. I mean, helps it with, with his brother being who his brother is for sure. Um, and then we have Caleb Love, UNC, 6'4", 200-pound junior guard, averaging almost 17 points a game, four rebounds and three assists. Apparently, he messed around with R.J. Davis's girlfriend. Good. Uh, so I, I could be wrong there. That's the rumor I heard. That makes me and like him even more. That's a lot of issues with this UNC team. Uh, was just the chemistry issues of teammates sleeping with other teammates' girlfriends. These men need to get jobs. Armando Baycott, <laughs> get a job, Hunter sir. Hunter Dickinson needs to get a job, my guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> we need a Baycott, Dylan. Hunter Dickinson. They both just need to go get jobs somewhere. Yes. Come on, y'all. Yes. Oh, yes. That's, that's, uh, uh, yeah. So – I don't like Caleb Love personally. No, he's bad. And I'm really questioning a lot of people that are Kentucky fans saying he should be a cat because I don't want well, him. Could, he no. could come to Miami. He could, come to Miami. He could go he to could, Miami. He could bring, he could bring all that craziness to it because, you know, Miami will just <laughs> will take that. That's true. Yeah. Oh. There's on, also let, been me, some... let me go look up his shooting splits because, like, what are we doing? This man shot 244 threes and shot under 30% from – from. He's in a cold line. weather. It's cold. Get him get him out of here. Carolina. No. This is gross. Yeah. I do, I do. I want nothing to do with Caleb Love personally. No. Um, all right. And then the last name we'll talk about, Jordan Wright from Vanderbilt. No, this is not Six. the last name we're talking about because you left off one of the biggest I transfers. missed it, maybe. Jordan Wright from Vanderbilt, 6'6", 200-pound senior. He's a guard He's slash small forward. This is the one that I want the most, I think, besides Khalil Ware. If Mostly I'm just because he can't play against Kentucky if he is on Kentucky. And that's he can't, true. He can't cook Kentucky because that's what he did every he time. He is the Chris Livingston replacement if there is one. This is it. He would be great next to Bradshaw and Khalil Ware. And Why? DJ and Justin Edwards. So. I don't think Chris Livingston's leaving, but it makes no sense. There's a lot of lot of rumors flying around. Who is the one I missed out, Dell? Um, you missed out on Taron Armstrong, who is that was last second. week. Oh, you talked about him. I I, I might I might have missed him, but I'm only talking about entries from this week. Portal entries. Oh, uh, okay. That that yeah. Because yeah. him and Jameer Nielsen uh, are the two yeah. that I would have also added. Trust me, I would love to get Jameer Nelson Jr. I uh, don't think that's going to be happen. No, for probably not. My favorite team, but could be a night. Just saying. A night. That would be, be really fun. Night. Jameer Nelson Jr. in Orlando at UCF would be perfect. I, I see the vision there. 
Yep, it would be perfect. Come to Miami. Oh, yeah, March, March 17th, Jameer let's Nelson win. And Jameer Nelson Jr., just come to Miami. March 20th. <laughs> Jameer Nelson Jr., you are a golden knight. You are a Miami and, yeah, yeah. Get Jameer also, Nelson the Nigel Pack in IL Dale, deal. Dale and Miami. He'll be, he'll be a, exactly. Now, Tron, Armstrong, right. Tron Armstrong entered uh, on the 17th of March, Correct. so last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the leader in assists, he averaged like 15 assists per game or something crazy. Yeah. No, this has five assists. Why does it say 15? There were some other ones that I left off. I get, there was, we would just be here talking all night if we mentioned every name in the portal. Uh, but by the week, even though there was like another one, Davion Knight um, from uh, uh, Western Kentucky, he averaged almost 17 points a game. He is, yeah, he's a he's a card. Yeah. Um, I think uh, what's the what's Nelly? Um, what's his last name? Shoot, uh, from Iona. He's gonna be, or um, he's not. There's not prediction there. But then there's the other Iona player, Walter Clayton. He's gonna be a Gator, uh, probably. Yeah, trending that way. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of players in the portal. Obviously, I'm doing what I'm doing for this segment as I'm going on on three and twenty four seven and kind of seeing what the biggest names are. Uh, yep. I look at the top 40 entries and I look at the, when they were added. And so next week might be lower if there's just less people added, but uh, some big names in the portal specifically today. Like I, I made this document last night. The last name I entered was DJ Horn. We've added three, four names today yeah. uh, alone. So it's, there's going to be a lot. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like free agency in NBA. That's what yeah. it feels like. It's just like, Oh, I it really is. Yeah. yeah, super fun. So let's move on to the last call. Uh, Max, as you leave, what is something you want to share with our audience? Man, you know, yeah. You know, don't give up on your dream, man. Like, I'm 23 years old. I've got about two years of eligibility left. Still grinding for that football dream. So don't give up on your dream. You know, keep going until, you know, you can't no more. Or the good Lord tells you you can't. And also, don't let anybody, like, stomp on your dream. Like, I promise you. And if you want your dream to happen, surround yourself by people that are living your dream. I'm telling you. I I'm, I'm promise you that's my biggest thing. Don't, don't sit, look 20 years from now and regret that, man, I wish I did this. Go do it. Failure is, helps you be successful in life. So, yeah. There you go. Dal, what's your last call, man? My last call, I know this we spent – a lot of time talking about the men's tournament, but the women's tournament is arguably even more entertaining, especially getting to watch Caitlin Clark absolutely cook. Oh uh, my gosh, she was amazing. Four, 40 point, 40 point triple double. Uh, I was watching my roommate and he, she went down and hit like, Louisville went on a little bit of a run and then she went down and hit two layups. They let her get two layups and we looked at each other and we were like, uh oh, this isn't going to turn out well for them. No, like, no, you no. can't let a score go down and get that. And then she just went on a roll. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't been watching, you should definitely go watch. Uh, actually, hold on. Let me look. Do we What's know who Kayla they're playing? Are they, not, are they yeah. playing LSU? I thought they were playing LSU. No, so LSU oh, won, but they play the winner the of the South Carolina game tonight which oh that's WNBA shoot not WNBA give me where is it there it is um ooh Virginia Tech beat Ohio State yeah so they I think they'll play South Carolina oh man she looks like a 
<laughs> Yo, she is a bucket. She is, dude. That was crazy. You know who I'm a fan of in the women's? I think we got eliminated, though. Uh, the van girl, the girl from uh, Louisville. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, they play. They play South Carolina on Friday. So Friday at Friday at nine p.m. That's much watch TV right there. Yes. That's that's gonna be fun. Um, I I watched some of that game the other night. That was crazy. Uh, so yeah, this is uh this has been real. This has been fun. I don't really have a last call other than enjoy the final four. Let's enjoy the last Go weekend because this is what we got. Um, we have some plans for the off season. We're gonna ramp up our NBA talk more as the season college season ends. We're gonna do some player profiles for the draft, and then once the dust settles on the transfer portal, basically in like June, late June, early July, or late or July is when we'll start previewing teams, so we have a better idea of what teams look like. Um, but this has been a really fun episode, a really long episode, unfortunately, but. It is what it is. I really enjoyed my time with you guys tonight, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Um, you can follow on Instagram and TikTok at Beers and Buckets Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. <coughs> Excuse me. Hit the like button uh, and share this episode and uh, leave a review. That would be great. And then check out the Basketball Podcast ne- Network on Twitter for more shows like this one. And yes, just sir. The bottom line, because Connor said so. You guys have a fantastic yeah. week. Peace.